Greetings, programs, and welcome to another edition of the Awesome Friday Podcast. My name is Matthew, and with me, as always, is Simon. Say hello, Simon. Hello. Oh, so dramatic. <laughs> no, I. Um, it was my work's social last night, and we went to a very nice place on the drive called Commercial, uh, Commercial, called Community right. Pizza. <laughs> uh, and Community Pizza had a... a a very exhaustive uh, cocktail list as well. And I don't know, I know you, you're you not a drinker anymore, and I'm trying not to be as much as I used to be, but sometimes um, when you're in a situation where I've only, I've been working with these people for a year and a half, and this is the only the third time I've met them in real life. And You did start working with them, you know, during a global yeah. stay-at-home order. Basically. That's right. Just as they went fully remote, I started working. So I know them really well, but not really face to face. And I'm, um, I'm like even before the pandemic, I didn't find social situations the most comfortable. I'd, I've never have. And um, after the pandemic, well, I mean, since the pandemic, I should say, I feel like my social skills have decreased even further. So I am very grateful. I don't know how you do it. Um, but you have natural social skills. I've seen you in a room of people. Uh, I am very grateful to alcohol for picking up that sort of slack for me. And so I'm presenting at home. This is a, a wonderfully long way of Simon explaining that he is incredibly hungover right now. You know, you know, you could say that, and you'd be correct. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I basically went went through the entire cocktail menu, bar one, and I had a couple of beers as well, and some pizza, and then I went to watch Come From Away at Queen Elizabeth. And um, it's pretty good going to watch a musical, a very upbeat musical when you're incredibly drunk. That's only an hour and a half long with no intermission. Like that's kind of a perfect way to let your like drunkenness kind of just exist. And uh, it was good. The show was lovely and it was very, very Canadian. Do you know that in Eastern Canada, they all talk like Irish people? I, I yeah, maybe understood. It's called maybe, the Maritimes Act. Did you not know that? Or I kind of did, but. I, um, Did you not I, I realize just, that Canada contains multitudes, Simon? I Look, I live in Vancouver, so I'm pretty sure that I have experienced the entirety of Canada, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I understood maybe 70% of it. And Come From Away, if you're unaware, is a musical about 9-11. And uh, part of me didn't really want to go to watch a musical. It's not really about 9-11. It's about the planes that were diverted. Apparently, Newfoundland had a massive airport at one point. And then mm -hmm. when all the planes, when the American airspace suddenly shut down, uh, closed down, they sent uh, 30 something planes to this airport because yep. if there were any more bombs, there'd be fewer people than if they landed in Toronto or something. Yep. And um, so it's basically a very heartwarming and true story about how this tiny town came together and basically their population doubled overnight and they fed them all and put them up for five days and people fell in love and and it's all just very very i i don't know it's very it feels very stereotypical uh, but it was very earnest without being cheesy and i think that's a very difficult balance so i enjoyed it but oh, um let me tell you when i woke up this morning i i was reminded of um how many years it's been since i have drunk that much alcohol and uh, the years have not been friendly so oh, I'm yeah. still, I've been clutching my tea most of the day. I don't um, miss it like at all. So yeah. Well, it's um, the uh, the hangover. I can tell you from cocktails. There's a very different hangover from beer though, which I'm quite um, happy about. So 
Yeah, I remember, and I still don't miss it. <laughs> but so. it was nice. Community Pizza, excellent place. Recommended. The pizzas were lovely, too. How are you? What have you been up to? Uh, well, as you know, I'm I'm in the middle of a 12-week uh, educational experience, which is 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, and is a lot. So I have been doing mm-hmm. that. that. And it's exhausting, but in a good way. But it's exhausting. Are you going to get your yeah, desk right I, at the end of this process? <laughs> I don't know. For for context, Simon is talking about the fact that I ordered a sit-stand desk three, four weeks ago, and it was meant to have been delivered this past Monday, and I still don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. I actually haven't talked to you about this, but interestingly, and I'm not going to name the company. I'm sure that they have other problems, and I, this situation isn't resolved, and I'm not quite ready to like smack talk them. But I got an email from them at like four o'clock on Friday, being like, "Hey." How's that sit-stand desk you received? And I got to <laughs> back and say, I didn't get it yet. And then oh. I, someone emailed me back and went, we'll look into that for you. And now it's the weekend. So I assume I'm not getting it until Monday. Oh, my God. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting having spent it's, it's, so long doing customer service, understanding that the key to good customer service is honestly just like communication, like super basic communication. Like, mm-hmm. just like, not like... Not only let me know when the thing is, like, if there's going to be a delay, just tell me, you know, like, don't wait for me to complain about it. Just be like, sorry, it's going to be delayed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, it's a whole situation and I hate it, but I literally have everything else I need for my workspace and it's all just sitting in boxes where my desk will eventually be. <laughs> it's kind of, it'll be funny oh, wow. at some point. It gives you extra time to plan how much Star Trek art you're going to put around your desk. So that's good. It does serve a purpose. That's quite true. That's quite true. And I did have some Star Trek art framed recently to put up around my desk. So uh, perfect. There you go. Good. Awesome. Excellent. Well, okay. what should we we're going to, yeah, we're going to dive into, you know, as we are want to do two things this week. First up, we're going to talk about uh, a, I believe, big budget Korean science fiction movie that's coming out in theaters next week, this coming week, I should say. And then we're going to talk about She-Hulk, which has started on Disney Plus this week. Um, but we're going to start with Korean science fiction movie, which is in English called Alienoid. And Simon, do you want to give us just a quick, <laughs> yes, like super like... quick, I, sorry, I know this is, we're going to come back to what I'm about to say because it is part <laughs> of my problem with this movie that I liked, uh, but I don't think a quick synopsis is even possible. So yeah, I challenge I you to give us a quick synopsis, sir. Okay. Um... Humans are used as prisons for aliens without their knowledge or consent. When the aliens are put into the brains of humans, they don't inter- they don't control them. They're just like storage units. Um, and to make sure that none of the aliens escape, a robot that takes human form with his talking car um, sits around on Earth guarding... Uh, uh, the the humans to make sure if anyone escapes they att- they they free them. However, their job extends to all time as well. So they might nip off to thirteen hundreds Korea to uh, to hunt down and trap an alien that has um, wriggled free, if you like, of the human brain. And if it gets out of the brain, it dies. So you've got this character, but it doesn't anyway. Keep going. <laughs> well, I, I mean. Anyway, um, so because <laughs> this movie is three movies, 
this movie is like what genre in this movie is this movie and the movie says yes like yeah. it's uh uh so you've got the space sci-fi element and then you've got in the um because there's lots of things that happen but they're not in chronological order so there's like the root of the the uh, guard's power ends up in a different time zone and becomes this blade that is wanted by these Taoist um, magicians who can do like crouching tiger magic leaps and uh, air throws uh, and, and cool like uh, uh, magic stuff. Yeah, there's a ton of wire foo in this movie because not only yes. is there science fiction alien elements there's also like medieval korean wire food yes. mag magic like straight up magic yes which is actually um, super interesting as it's, a pitch. Br it's brilliant and apparently this director his last movie was just about time traveling taoist monks who do magic so i really don't I really want to find that hmm. and um so so you've got these parallel things going on of the leader of the aliens who who were like uh, he tried to make the aliens rebel against their incarceration. Starts causing trouble, so the guard is chasing him through time and through modern career and past career. And then the, we learn that the characters we see in past career are connected to some of the characters we've already seen in future career. And basically it's a time travel, sci-fi, Taoist monk Waifu, martial arts, fantasy, adventure, part one. You left <laughs> out You got it all right, except you left out comedy because it's also at points, and, a, a and it's a slapstick comedy at points. And it's very funny. The comedy actually works, and it's a a father daughter story as well. So, um, a father daughter and their dog, who happens to be a robot talking car, <laughs> who can take any form. <laughs> Um, I, um, and that's not even all of it. Like that's without spoilers. <laughs> God, yeah, it really is, isn't it? I, can I just, can I just be like the first to say, I understand when you watch this movie as I, I get the feeling your, uh, reaction to this is, is going to be slightly less positive to mine because I, uh, I love Korean sci-fi to the point now where I'm thinking, should I start doing like Duolingo in Korean just to get the basis of basic like vocabulary? Because I watch things like this and Train to Busan and um, uh, the, Space Sweepers. Uh, Space Sweepers was Space Korean. Sweepers, which, which was a made one of my favorite sci-fi's of the last like decade, and Peninsula and. Uh, just the Korean Korean cinema is really really good at taking a genre and doing something else with it. And mm -hmm. um, this is no exception in that it takes like five genres and tries to do something else with it. And um, I just, uh, it's a, it's a hot mess that kind of doesn't come together. In fact, it doesn't come together totally because it turns out yeah. parts, parts one and two were filmed simultaneously. And this is part one. And this isn't like Empire Strikes Back where there's, some threads are drawn to a close and the next part introduced. It's like, yeah, it just ends. stops. The movie ends. I mean, this is actually my, this is actually my primary sort of like problem with the movie. Honestly, I think that like the weird genre mashup works. I think whether that's because of, or in spite of itself is up for debate, but it works. Um, 
but it and maybe part this is definitely at least partly my own fault for not looking into it before really watching it but this is very much part one of two and it just stops at the end of part one and with no warning that's a little bit jarring and i definitely could have like to be fair, none of the marketing material that, that I was sent really indicated that it was going to be a part one, but a simple Google search would have revealed that it is a part one. Like now when I will look to bring up the cast list, I see that like it is called in uh, in Korean, the, the English translation of the Korean title is Alien Plus Human Part One, which is a much better title just for clarity's sake. Too. Alienoid is a, it is a bad title and it doesn't do anything to describe what you're going to see. Like it feels completely cut off from the reality of this film. Yeah. And I imagine like, I don't think I liked it quite as much as you did because I mean, it does work, but there's some weird inconsistencies and there's some, especially in terms of like how the alien human relationship works when a human is at a, is a prison for an alien and the alien can't control the human except for the instances where they can control the human. It's where the um, brain becomes aware of the alien. The alien can take over. Right. Of course. Of course. Of course <laughs> that makes sense. And then, but then also like the alien wants out of the human, but can't survive outside of the human for longer than five <laughs> minutes. Exactly. <laughs> um, like it's, it's all very, I don't know what the right word is. It is a hot mess is a really good way to describe this movie. It's super fun. At two hours and 20 minutes long, it is also incredibly overstuffed to the point where I have no regrets having watched it and will say honestly that I enjoyed watching it. But so much happens in that two hours and 20 minutes. Like I couldn't tell you all of it. I can't. I physically, physiologically was unable to remember it all. It doesn't, it doesn't let up. And like it, it never lets up. I, it didn't feel like two hours and 20 minutes because it is the the director is like, and now we're going to do this, and now we're going to do this, and let's cut back over here, and let's do these new characters. The cast is so huge, and, and there's constantly new people being introduced who are, many of them are magical without any introduction. Like, in, in a way, you get so used to Western cinema, especially this kind of genre, picking one thing and then just doing it like the hero's journey with it. And... So it's, it's really refreshing to me. I, I love seeing something new. And I think that's why I really enjoyed this, even though it doesn't, there's no like satisfactory resolution because there's no resolution. But like you said, in Korea, this was even, uh, it was a massive hit. It made lots and lots of money and it was known very, very much to everyone that it was a first part of two. And the, um, I did kind of wonder, is this my Western eyes? Like, are we, am I judging this as being incomplete or non-satisfactory because I'm watching it through like this Western lens? But then I, I looked at some um, uh, Korean reviews of it and they all said exactly what we're saying. Like people are going to get confused yeah. by the multiple people. People are going to get confused because it's not um, satisfactorily rounded up. The ideas are amazing and the visuals are amazing and the, the acting's good, but um, it doesn't, like, come together cohesively. So that made me feel a bit better, because the Koreans yeah, are the same thing as we are. <laughs> yeah, because, like, unlike something, like, there's definitely been some big two-part epic films in Western, like, you know, Kill Bill is a good example, and so are the, the Matrix mm. sequels yeah, are a good example, yeah. right? Um, but they all end at a moment where, like, 
at least some of the plot is tied mm -hmm. up. And then they ask one big central question that leads into the next thing, right? And this just kind of stops. Well, this does, you know, what's really interesting is that it does the second thing. There's a, a fundamental twist at the end, very, very end of this film that you can kind of see coming oh, about half an hour coming. earlier. I'll say this. You can see that <laughs> twist coming from a, from a, a mile away. There's, there's uh, two, there's two big reveals that happen in this movie that I'm like, it's, and maybe it's just a, uh, an artifact of me watching a, a ton of movies, but like there are there are two big twists in this movie that like I could have told you from like the second time each of those characters were on screen, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like they, it's not um, it's not a like it's interesting because for a movie that's so original and has such a, a weird and wonderful and world that I have never quite seen this combination of factors in before parts of the plot are very predictable. <laughs> so like the world building is great and the performances are great, but the, the plot is, I mean, the details are all super convoluted and complicated, but the basic plot is fairly straightforward, mm -hmm. which to be fair is a, a very difficult line to walk. I think. I, I'm not sure straightforward is the right word though. Like, when you think when you watch this movie it absolutely bends over backwards not to be straightforward it's to the point of like confusion of on who people are and what's going on and how the the the, the parallel threads of current career and past career are not really brought together till quite late in the into the final act uh, yeah but also and, like the there's one big reveal in terms of what you're talking about in terms of like character characters in the in the modern time frame and characters in the 1300s time frame that like it's meant to be like a big reveal at the end but mm -hmm. the main the main one of the two main characters in the 1300s as soon as i saw them on screen i was like oh that's right, clearly right. x person from this right. other, you know it's uh and uh there's the second twist, which also mainly has to do with the other lead character from the from the medieval period. As soon as I, as soon as it became clear who the other lead was, which again was basically immediately for me, I was like, okay, so this guy is going to turn out to be the big the other big reveal that is clearly being built. Like the, yeah. the plot is not complicated. Again, all of the details yeah. are super complicated, but the basic <laughs> through line is not complicated okay yeah for, that's okay that's fair the way it's told is not it's is not straightforward but it is uh yeah the 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 twists are not God, they're like oh yeah, yeah. that's fine but yeah. um i guess i guess I where really, i where i differ is that like i looked at a couple of quickly looked at a couple of reviews because i don't really like doing that until i've had my own thoughts out there but mm -hmm. a lot of them are talking about how the plot is convoluted and difficult to follow but the world is super interesting. And I sort of had not quite the opposite reaction, but I was like, no, the plot was very easy to follow, but how it, can the aliens survive outside the humans or not? Because you tell me both of those things mm -hmm. at different points. And like the details are over the top convoluted and not consistent. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it ends up being so much fun that it's, this is all really nitpicky. Like it's a fun movie and yeah. you should, if you get a chance to see it and you want to just have like a good, good two hours of the movies, this is going to do that for you. If you're on board with like big storytelling and big performances and big ideas, you are going to have a good time watching this movie.
Yeah, totally. Like it's it swings constantly for the for the benches. Like, what's the baseball idiom? Did I get that one right? Um, yeah. it, it's um, it like I say, it's a, it's a long movie, but it doesn't feel it because it's constantly like overlapping with itself. And I you, really know, you say it. that, but also there was a moment where I was like, man, this the story is really like wrapping up. Like, I really I wonder like how much time is left in the movie. Like, this plot is clearly coming to it. And I was at like literally the one hour and ten. I know, I know exactly. I know, <laughs> I know exactly where you were. Yeah, but, um, I really liked. Um, there's a an actress from Korea who's also and uh, she was the captain in Space Sweepers, and she is a very cool character in this. She's called. Uh, I mean, Kim Tyree. Lee, Lee Honey, I think. No, Kim Tyree was the aunt. It was Lee Honey, the um, who played uh, insert name here. Oh, I thought Kim Tyree was because Kim Tyree was in Space Sweepers too. Pretty sure. Yeah, Leon. Kim Tyree. Yeah. yeah. Kim Tyree. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I, I enjoyed the, the nice thing with this that I find with all like Korean genre is that the actors are always like completely into it, like, really sell the coolness of it. There's one, one character or, who's or the very, ridiculous. Very cool yeah ridiculous but but not like um what do you call that not like mugging not what's the word not mugging it sorry my brain is not working i particularly enjoyed these the the two um uh taoist magicians for, uh, like they uh, they're not husband and wife but they're together and they the the comedy between those two as they could sort of get in interact with the story and get involved really worked for me like throughout mm -hmm. i thought they were really really cool and um the the main actor uh kim Wubin, um plays, plays the guard multi yeah. multiple versions of like himself for whatever reason he plays different like versions of the same character and he really impressed me with the his versatility of his his vocal control and his body control and um that was really he's, he's not really playing multiple versions of guard well, he's well, playing because so he's playing he's playing the, guard and then he's also playing it. like the his robot talking car can also project a an avatar yes. and the robot talking car chooses to look like the guard it's yes. this movie's a lot there's a lot going on this movie. <laughs> but I mean, yeah kim wubin is really is similarly is great i actually really liked um uh, and I'm going to mispronounce this, so I'm sorry. But uh, Ryu, Ryu Jun Yo, I think is how you say it. He played a character called Murek, who's like one of the two main characters mm -hmm. yeah, he's in the 1300s, who's like a wandering swordsman and magician sorcerer type person who's kind of a goofball. <laughs> I love this introduction. A, who's kind of a goofball <laughs> and like on this quest to find the magic blade that turns out to be the MacGuffin from both times. Anyway. Yeah. Um, He's he does a really good job of selling like the super serious moments, some of the most serious mm -hmm. moments, some of the most interesting interaction moments between like not quite romance, but like proto romance moments between like these the, these two characters. And he also does the best job of selling like the utter goofiness of the rest of this mm -hmm. of this movie. Uh, and I feel like that is a line that there's there's a number of people that do that in this movie, and I don't. I, I couldn't name you any 
North American actors that I think could pull that off. I mean, I'm sure there's some that I'm not thinking of right now, but like for the number of people who do that so well in this, who just like commit so well and pull off all the things they're asked of, it's I'll hard to imagine. That. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know. And to your point that it's not ridiculous, I remind you, sir, that um, Marek, uh, Murek has two companions who are <laughs> who are people who are also cats who no, he pulls cats out of a ma- yeah. cats who are people who he also pulls out of a magical fan. Yeah, so, they're not cats; they're illustrations of cats that become yeah, real cats that become people. <laughs> yeah, and while they're people, they behave as cats, which is <laughs> takes a bit of getting used to. I will say, there's definitely points where he's like trying to have a serious conversation, and there's these two middle-aged, like older Korean men outside going meow, meow. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, look, I can eat a fish head. Meow. <laughs> like, there's a lot. I think... But by think that I'm, point... The I mean, whole by that movie, point, if you're not on board, like, yeah, you're just never but, going to be, but... but... It's not a surprising tone. Like, the whole... The movie at the very, very beginning has got a brilliant op- opening sequence, and the whole movie um, is very clear in its intentions, in, which is to throw an incredible amount of shit at you within these genres. And uh, most of it sticks. I just wish there had been just the slightest like resolution of some of its story threads um, going into part two. But I, I'm sure when part two comes out next year, because it's already shot, that, that as a companion piece, it's basically probably just going to pick up exactly I... where this one stops. And apparently the second one is almost completely about the Taoist hunting down the blade so that the chase we see a chase of sorts at the end of part one and the it sounds like the second part is just a continuation of that um with the the magic as more of a forefront so well that makes sense in that like without too many spoilers the the end of this one definitely brings all the characters together in one place mm-hmm. so that makes sense to me um yeah. and you're right. Like I, when it comes out, I will want to see part two, and I'm sure that watching them back to back will be a thing that you can do, and it'll be a better experience for it. But yeah, watching the first one in isolation, it just kind of, it just kind of stops, and that's a little bit frustrating. But it is for the two hours and twenty minutes you're watching it. It is a good time. So take it. Really is. And uh, it is. It is releasing in theaters this coming week too, so you can go see it on a big screen. And I kind of wish that I'd been able to do that. Uh, we watched this I, at home, and I yeah. I wish I'd been able to see this in a movie theater. I'm I'm going away soon, and um, if it's too long when I come back, I will be going to see this in cinema. Like it is a it is a huge movie, and it needs a huge screen. It got an IMAX release in Korea as well, and um, that's that's very fitting. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, it's really refreshing. Like one of my biggest complaints about any kind of sci-fi we watch a lot of sci-fi and a lot of mcu stuff and i sometimes wish it would just take more risks and 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 just put do different things within the genre and this was this film is nothing but risks like it takes a story that we've seen a million times before and just throws everything at it and it sticks like it's well shot the i thought the combat was wonderful and the um the the editing's great and uh, the, all the technical aspects work really really well and I would love to see a bit more of this uh, wild side 
of what sci-fi and what fantasy can do in in more western sci-fi do you know what it really reminded me of was the the matrix the second and third matrix yeah but um i also thought a lot about fifth element and how luc besson took a lot and threw a lot into that movie with lots of genre tones as well and this kind of gave me the same kind of feeling as fifth element yeah, it's a shame he turns out to be a garbage person. But it's oh, difficult. Luc Besson was such an important director for me. Like Leon, the Professional, and all of his movies, or before uh, the... that, uh, really fundamental to me when I was learning film and making film. And he was my favorite director for a long time. And it's very difficult to learn more and more about him. That's uh, true. That's, me that's too. But you anyway, know, Choi, Choi, Choi Dong Hoon, who did this one, I haven't heard anything bad about him, and I just want to see more of his movies now. So, I, yeah. <laughs> the, if if they're even half as ballsy and weird as this, then I have a feeling mm-hmm. I will enjoy most of them. That's the thing, you know this this is the kind of movie where even if it doesn't work for you, you still come out of it thinking, "Well, I haven't seen anything like that before." It's still a good time, even if you come out thinking it wasn't like satisfying. Well, and, and even and, like, you know, it's also that you're talking about how like they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks and like they're throwing so much at the wall, something you like is going to stick mm-hmm. because they're just mm-hmm. throwing so much Yeah. because I can't stress enough. So much happens in this movie. <laughs> like there's very few quiet pauses. It's basically all go, 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 go. Uh, and, and yeah, not to, also beat a dead horse, but another great lesson in pull the camera back and let me watch what the actors oh, are doing when they fight. Because yeah. holy shit. And some very decent Iron Manning as well. Yeah. Uh, and some, and some of the some of the visual effects are just yeah. like Im- immaculate. Like yeah, there's a spaceship really chase yeah. through Soul that is like looks real. It just looks real. <laughs> I love that. It was unintentional comedy, but there's a, there's a the spaceship looks like a, a, a razor and it goes through. Nothing stops it. And it's slowly chasing this police car and it's slicing through like huge apartment blocks and buildings and there's people running and and about five minutes later they try to draw them away because like oh people could get hurt i'm like uh <laughs> I, I got something to tell you <laughs> people, yeah people are hurt. that's no, true the, the effects are excellent really really excellent yeah. so good job so well, what are you so going to give this one like Giving so you, something like yeah. the stars feels a little reductive, doesn't it? But what are you going to give it? I mean, for me, it's a it's a pretty pretty good. It's a three. It's a high three, but it's a three. I don't, you know, I liked it. I didn't. I think probably if I had to change, if it had any resolution, I might be tempted to give it a four. But it's a mm-hmm. because of its and it, and just to be clear, I liked this movie. I enjoyed watching this movie, but because it's slightly overwhelming and because it doesn't have any resolution, uh, yeah, it's a three. That's fair enough. And you, sir? And uh, you? It's just it's just crept into a four for me. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I I really was on board. I enjoyed this, like the act of watching this so much. It's so uh, my kind of thing, and um, it's a it's crept into four. And I I thought a lot about the resolution when I researched it a little bit and saw that it was marketed as part one and it is clearly a part one, then it kind of softened my negativity towards the finale. But the uh, just as an experience, it's something everything everyone should watch. There's so much good stuff in there and it's so uh, enjoyable to see all these different things and time threads and magic and 
wire fighting and sci-fi chases and there's just so much in there uh, so it's a four for me nice good well that is alienoid which again uh is coming out in theaters in canada on the 26th that's this friday of august uh and it is confirmed to be playing uh you need to check check your local listings but it is confirmed to be playing at theaters in basically every major city in canada so if you get the chance um you should you should go and see it because it's uh it's a good movie Mm -hmm. yeah so let's move on uh and we're going to move on to something that's uh, already in progress and you've probably already heard about um but this week marked the debut of the latest marvel cinematic universe television show she hulk starring tatiana maslany on disney plus worldwide and we got to see the first four, and there's one out to the mm. public now. Uh, so we're going to try and keep it as spoiler-free as possible for those four, lest yeah. we invoke the wrath of Disney. But, um, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about She-Hulk, Simon. So, so what, what's the premise of She-Hulk? And then I'll tell you my problem with talking about She-Hulk. But what... <laughs> uh, so She-Hulk, uh, in the series, as in the comics, is, her name is Jennifer Walters, and she is the cousin of Bruce Banner, who most of you, uh, unless you've been living under some kind of cultural rock the past 15 years, <laughs> um, is the Incredible Hulk. And they are cousins and they are acquainted. And in the first episode, it's a little bit different than the comics, but in the first episode, they are on a road trip. And uh, the Banner is in, he's in Banner form. He's got a thing to keep him in Banner form, which is helping him heal from the events of the prior movies we've seen him in. And uh, they get into, long story short, they get into a car crash. He gets cut, she gets cut, and his blood gets into her, and she becomes a Hulk. Uh, she is also single female lawyer, and the show is basically <laughs> single female lawyer, but she's single a female Hulk. lawyer. Uh, um, and I'm just going to say it right up front I very much enjoyed the four episodes that we got to see. Uh, I think that. Uh, it's hard, to, it's hard to talk about all of it because the episodes are only 30 to 35 minutes. So it's hard to talk about everything we've seen without being a little bit spoilery, but it is very confident in this premise. It's very well shot. The CGI is a little bit dodgy, but everything else about it works so well that I didn't actually end up caring about that so much. Um, Tatiana Maslany is friggin' hilarious as Jennifer Walters. And although I would say it takes probably till the second or maybe even the third episode to get, like, very funny. Um, but I think it's going to be... I'm sure, I mean, it's Marvel, so I'm sure lots of people are going to watch it. But I very much enjoyed it. And what did you think? Just basic feelings. So, I mean, my problems with this is that, as you said, we watched the first four back-to-back. And my feelings towards it are kind of a complete thing based on those four episodes. So I'm trying not to spoil anything past the first episode. But I just echo what you're saying. I actually like it way more than I thought I would. Um, I Going in, I wasn't convinced it was actually going to work as a concept because it's a very particular comic, isn't it? There's lots of fourth wall breaking. It's, it's a very light character and a very light comic. And I, I was curious how that was actually going to translate. But... Um, I mean, they clearly had someone writing this who knew what they were doing um, because they've captured a lot of that. And 
you're right in that I wish we could talk more about episode one because there's a moment from episode two where everything clicked together and then from that point it works like gangbusters and it's it's a it's a moment that is maybe three seconds long and it is just one of the most wonderful things that you've seen in any MCU show so maybe we'll talk about that another time but the the um the cold open is actually a really good indication because it starts with Tatiana Maslany talking like practicing her speech direct to camera and kind of being nervous after it and showing both sides of her character straight from the off. And this whole show is to say it's carried by her as an understatement. Like she is wonderful. She is a, a brilliant actress anyway, as anyone who's seen her in orphan black knows how talented she is, but she is just so natural and so giving and uh, absolutely captivating as a performer you can't take your eyes off her so as she's going through this journey in episode one where very entertainingly she becomes hog and uh, banner tries to uh, teach her how to control her anger and control being a hog all the things he's learned over 15 years and she's like dude i'm a woman i, I i've been controlling my anger my whole life like yep. this is not a problem for me and she can just she learns very, very quickly to Hulk at will, and she still stays herself. And it's a lovely parallel. Uh, uh, and sort of, we. it's a really nice way to encapsulate how much Hulk as a character has grown. If you go back to... Um, so Norton's, Ed Norton's Hulk was the first proper MCU Hulk, right? The one before that, the Ang Lee wasn't... Same yeah. timeline or anything. It's an it's an interesting setup because the uh yes, the Edward Norton one is the first MCU Hulk movie and it's the second MCU or third MCU movie overall. Um and it does one thing that I actually one of my it's one of my favorite things that an MCU movie has done, which is a weird thing to say of the movie that's generally not that well remembered, but um because the Ang Lee Hulk movie wasn't that many years before it they just eschew doing an origin story at all. There's a montage during the opening credits of the film that, that basically recreates the Ang Lee movie. Uh, and then it just starts with Banner on the run. Uh, right, right, right. And he's, but, you know, from that point on, he's, he's unable to control the Hulk. And so what, what's interesting, especially uh, we see it very clearly in Avengers as well. If you compare, like Hulk is a, is a one note, character right it smashes things and the avengers knew that and did really clever things by recognizing that hulk is a smashing character with that brilliant line and banner's far more interesting that's that's always been the interesting thing that clash between banner and hulk and then if you see how what they've done with that through the the thor movies and through the other avengers movies and and where hulk is right now is a really interesting like 15 years of growth with this one note character that is now way more interesting to watch, even mm -hmm. though he's like, he's not a force of nature anymore. And I, for one, I'd be quite interested to see Hulk going back to being dangerous, but that, that doesn't negate like what they've done with the character is actually really, really clever. So in the first episode of She-Hulk, he tries to make her go through the same thing and she doesn't need to, because as a woman, she's lived that, so much of her life anyway and i thought it was a really interesting way to sort of encapsulate banner's growth but also launch 
um, She-Hulk as herself as this con- person able to control this from the beginning. I thought it was really, really clever. Yeah, and, and I think there's, a, there's a whole... There's, there's a whole speech that she gives when he's like, you need to control your rage. And she's like, I control my rage every day because I get catcalled on the street. And if I, mm-hmm. or if I smile in someone's general direction and that they, and you know, they might stalk me or just get me murdered, you know, like it's just the normal experience of being a woman. And I feel like, and I said this on, on Twitter yesterday or the day before that, like, I, I, I think that's actually a really important speech for a lot of the dude bros who are going to be watching the show to hear. <laughs> like there's a lot of people I feel who are going, who should hear this and understand it. And there's yeah. been a lot of pushback from dude bros on social media. I've had a few interactions already with people being like, you know, Oh, the MCU, there's no, no growth for banner or for abomination. And it's just like, just say you want them to be angry. Like, <laughs> it's so I much wish- easier to say you but I wish we could talk about how wrong that is, but we can't because it would be talking about Tim Roth and Abomination. And I would really, really love to, but um, we're just talking about the first episode. But um, I mean, yeah, he doesn't show up until what, the third episode? Second, and second, no, it's... Second, third? Uh, yeah, maybe either maybe way. Main, the main episode is third, yeah. But the, his is, it, in... is hilarious. Yeah. He's hilarious. And I really like the direction that his character growth has taken him in. And I think what a lot of the sort of angry dude bros on social media are angry about is they want angry Hulk and angry abomination beating the shit out of one another. And that's just not the direction the show is going in. And I think it's better for it. I think it's far more interesting what they've done, especially with abomination. And again, no spoilers, but he's so funny. Uh, And Tim Roth is so good at delivering every line that he has. And every line is like properly Britishly cheeky. It's pretty wonderful. And uh, what's uh, uh, and his justification for his past misdemeanors is actually super interesting in universe as well. Like it does yeah, make sure you it think about it. Does sort of reframe the Norton movie when you think about how he was used by um, General Ross to to by the military to do this, and his kind of his like fifteen ten years in the meantime, and and how what he's done to control this. It's just so funny, and it's so nice. Uh, I don't want to talk about it because it's a spoiler, but um, it's not what you would expect at all from including Abomination in a 2022 show. Um, but they well, I mean, again, is, they're yeah. using it as a really interesting story point. Yeah, I mean, it is and it isn't though because I, I was I had an interaction with one person on Twitter who was like, first he hasn't had any growth," and I'm like, "Okay, first off, I know for a fact you haven't seen the episodes, so that's one thing. But also, did you not watch Shang Chi? Like, he's in Shang Chi, and that is a pretty perfect lead in to where he's at in these episodes. Like, he clearly has grown. Just say he's grown in a way you don't want. Like, say he's grown in a direction you'd rather he didn't. That's a much easier way to say what you're saying without." And that way you're not being an asshole. Like, it's just the way it is. Yeah, but and, you're right. They, it's likely he hasn't seen it. He's just seen a picture, right? Yeah. Or a clip. And so, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think one of the big strengths of the show, honestly, is, and I think it's made clear in, I think it's that first, that first scene you're talking about, the cold open of the whole show, mm-hmm. where it starts with Jennifer giving this closing argument, which turns out to be, as a rehearsal to her her paralegal and then after this whole scene plays out she looks right at the camera and she's like yeah i know what you're thinking i am a hulk but this is a lawyer show 
<laughs> and, and that sets the tone for the whole thing. It's not a Hulk show. It's a lawyer show. And she happens to be a Hulk, not the other way around. And I think mm -hmm. it works really well. And I know there's lots of people out there, myself included, saying, man, I wish the MCU would do something different. And here I am saying, this is the MCU making a half hour sitcom. And it is great. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of other people who I know have said the same thing who are basically saying, well, not like this, though. No, you know, like, and it's just such a missed opportunity for their own enjoyment. And now I'm just rambling about assholes. Yeah, I mean, a comic book anything is such a minefield now, isn't it? Like anything that's not gods punching each other is is gonna cause a very vocal element of social media to be very negative about it which is one of the reasons i barely use it anymore i just don't i don't i don't want to get involved i don't care about these opinions anymore i don't want to give it my time like, that's this totally is a fair really, this is You're a really right. sweet show it's really really sweet um, and, uh, it, and i love uh, I, I i love the the exploration of the legal ramifications of being a superpowered person Mm -hmm. is super fascinating there's a without spoiling it there's a, a lawsuit that wong has to bring at one point wong mm -hmm. the sorcerer supreme from the doctor strange movies uh, files a lawsuit and it is a it's really funny and b it's also just like a fascinating thing that he has to do and it like you wouldn't necessarily think about that plus mm -hmm. that episode introduces and i'm not going to spoil it but i think the funniest <laughs> side character in the whole show <laughs> um <laughs> which is someone who I wouldn't think would be funny, but she is so no. funny. Like, yeah. who's the actress? Oh, well, anyway, the actress who took that part and ran with it, oh, and the writers as well, don't forget that. I, like, I, I don't believe how they've managed to turn the most, what could have been easily someone as the most annoying person in the world, is actually someone I want to see more of now. Like, with Wong. Yeah. It's almost like a perfect foil to Wong's character and and well, for um, all of them really I, I just want to uh, I just want to watch them watch stuff do you and you know what that means but yeah I do like uh, I just want to watch more of them talking about the, uh, a certain yeah. show they like so anyway yeah and I mean without again without spoiling it although I mean see episode one is out now so I'm sorry if you haven't watched it yet, you definitely should. But the post, every episode of this series, at least the ones we've seen, all have a, like a mid credits stinger. And the the mid credits scene in the first episode might now be my favorite like post credits scene of any Marvel project ever, because it literally just involves there's like an episode long joke where Jennifer is talking to Hulk and she's basically trying to be like like. She's basically making the argument, it's not made clear until the end, but she's making the argument that Steve Rogers must have been a virgin. And at the end, when Hulk finally said, like, they're drunk, and he finally breaks down and says, nope, Steve told me that he, you know, had sex, he lost his virginity in 1943, and she just switches gears, and she's like, I knew it! Captain America, fuck! <laughs> just like... <laughs> it's cold cut. <laughs> and it cold cuts away from her actually swearing, but like, it is such a perfect moment, and it's such a uh, just in terms of like their relationship, but also just in terms of like, maybe we can look at the MCU in different ways, you know, <laughs> like it's, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's such a well-delivered line and it's, it's so it's for such a, what could, what is ultimately such a lighthearted moment. It actually like 
made me look at things a different way in the MCU, which the MCU hasn't managed to achieve in a long time. So great show. Yeah, it is. I have one worry, which we're not going to know for like five weeks now, I guess. But um, the the antagonist is, is played by Jamila Jamil. Jamila uh, Jamil, plays, yeah. Plays Titania. And Titania is a... a, a super strong influencer so um we learn very quickly in the second episode i think that she is basically uh has very strong physical powers and she uses it to be like an instagram influencer and like famous person which i gotta say is a a pretty great refactoring of the character yes from like from Uh, her comic book roots oh okay Uh, i don't i don't know i mean in the comic books she's just really strong so i think right Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good framing. My yeah. worry is that this show, which has very clearly decided not to be about gods punching each other, is I, I worry that you've got a strong, massive green female who is going to end up in a fist fight with another strong, overstrong, super strong female. I hope they don't resolve this with fighting because this show has already showed us that it doesn't want to be that show. And there's been a couple of things that I've seen before that have just used another like choreographed fist fight to solve what they're doing. And this show has clearly shown that it's a different kind of show. It's not like I say, God's punching each other. It's something different. And I would like the resolution to be different as well. And I, I hope they don't fall into the trap of just going for a fist fight to solve what they're trying to solve. But we'll see. uh, I get that. I would also say that I worry about that a little bit as well, but Titania does show up in the first episode and she all defeats her with like complete ease, right? Like there's no, you could maybe make an argument that Titania was maybe not prepared, but also like it's an, like it's a one punch fight. Like there's no strike there, I think. And I think that's why, and without again, getting into spoilers, there is set up for a conflict between them at the end of the fourth episode that is not a fist fight. And I think mm-hmm. that's super interesting. And I really hope the show just keeps leaning into the fact that it's ultimately a single female lawyer show and not a single female Hulk show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, I mean, based on what we've seen, I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, I hope so. Because it's it's well written so far. I will say the fourth episode is a bit uh, all over the place in terms of focus that the other three aren't. But um, it's still uh, very much written to be that show in a very intelligent way. So I, I hope it sticks to its guns. Yeah, I mean, I, I I actually don't agree. I thought the fourth episode was really well put together as well. Um, right. The whole thing is directed by... The first four are all directed by the same person, uh, Kat Coiro, uh, who is also the wife of one of the guest stars, who I'll tell you later. Um uh, but uh, there's only two directors for the whole series, uh, Kat Cuero and Anu Valia. Uh, and there's several writers, but there's only two directors. So I feel like hopefully it maintains some tonal consistency and uh, consistency to its premise. I think, again, I think that's a pretty safe bet given what we've seen so far. We've seen four out of, I believe, nine episodes. So we've seen right. a lot of it, right? So it's, I, I, I think it's a, I think it's, a, I'm choosing optimism. I'm choosing to believe that it's going to continue to, to be consistently good because it is yeah. very consistently good. And, it's lovely. Uh, 
as with um, Ms. Marvel before it, the you know the it's a bit of a bigger swing from the MCU, and I kind of love it for that. Yeah, and like Miss Marvel, it's just very sweet at its core as well. It's not, it's not when you compare it to a lot of other comic stuff that just wants to frown a lot, and and it, it's having a lot of fun with its premise, and I would say way Miss Marvel did. So, fingers crossed that it stays that that good, really. Yeah, for sure. And again, what? it's actually Maslani Maslani show. She is incredible. She is so great in this. So watch it for her, if nothing else. Yep, proud Canadian person too. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's some talk that you know Deadpool is going to be in the MCU at some point because of course he is. Uh, but uh, Deadpool, the character, is from Regina, and Tatiana Maslany, the actress, is from Regina. So maybe there'll be some crossover there, <laughs> and they both break the fourth wall. Yeah. Uh, and contrary to dude bro popular belief, She-Hulk's been doing it for longer, so... <laughs> oh, God, they're not arguing about that, are they? Oh, oh they're, they're dude bros, of course they are. <laughs> Who broke the fourth wall first? Well, let, let's go, let's talk about the Greeks, shall we? Should we go back? Uh, how far yeah. back can we go? Okay, yeah. so uh, are you starring this yet, or should we wait until it's finished? I mean, ultimately, maybe I would say that to give it, like, a proper rating... Would I would need to see the whole story, but I would say mm-hmm. of what we have seen, I would give a four out of five. Yeah, I'm the same, exactly the same. It's really fun. right. I mean, the end uh, the end of any story is a pretty big factor, and this, although it is very much a TV show, and every episode has a very distinct beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones I've seen so far, I've enjoyed very much. Um, to give it a rating on a whole would not be fair, but again, what I have seen so far has been great, and I can't wait to see more. Yep, totally agree. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, that's where we're at. Now, next week, I'm not here because I'm on a boat, motherfucker. Don't you ever forget. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Um, I'm going on a cruise with my family uh, because um, uh, it was a gift. And so we're going. We're going to Alaska. And uh, this week's cruise in Alaska, there's only two days where we're actually sailing because it turns out. Alaska is just right there. So, That's true, um, yeah. Uh, we're going to go and look at some icebergs, and we're going to look at some huskies, and more importantly, all the food and most alcohol is included. So I'm going to just jabber the hut my way through a cruise for a week. So Yeah, that sounds great. Guest, you have a special guest next week. I got yeah, that. if all goes to plan, we you will be uh, we will be me and Rachel Hope from ContraZoomPod, who subbed in for you last time. Um, she was so great last time, like annoyingly yep. so. <laughs> like, <laughs> Rachel, just dial it down like fifty percent, so I don't feel so bad when I come back. Um, yeah, yeah don't great. don't do that though, because it, it's a great <laughs> show. Um, so yeah, and we'll be talking about two new movies. The uh, the details of which are still being worked out, but uh, they are. Uh, so I don't want to like give it up unless they don't happen for some reason but um mm-hmm. yeah it'll be me and rachel next week and then i'm on holiday the week after that so we have to figure out that oh, week right. is not yet planned so uh but yeah you- we may have uh, next week it'll be me and rachel and the week after tbd so where are you going uh, we're just going to see my in-laws oh lovely so, yeah good well thank uh, you for listening yes thank you for listening um that is the end of the show
Uh, we'd like to thank everyone who is listening. I know we have a number of new listeners in the last couple of weeks. Thank you, everyone, for subscribing. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. That There are many things you can do to support us, including a Patreon, um, but that is probably the thing that does us the most good, weirdly enough. Um, if you would like to contribute though, we do have a Patreon that'll be linked in the show notes. And if you go to awesomefriday.ca, you can find streaming links powered by just watch for both of these titles. Uh, those will be updated as availability changes. So that for example, although Alienoid won't have a streaming link just yet when there is one, it'll be there. So if you're listening to this in like 2023, go to the website, there will be a link. Um, yeah, we produce this here in Vancouver on the uh, unceded lands of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish peoples. Um, and that's it. Thank you for joining us on this awesome Friday. Thank you.